It's Friday, January 19th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we're uh, a day away, a snowy day away from uh, Guards Fest, getting all excited uh, to see as many fans uh, as we, we possibly can uh, tomorrow at the Huntington Convention Center. Uh, but before that, uh, I thought we would uh, take a look at you know a story that you uh, you posted uh, last night uh, sort of prompted me to, to think along the lines of uh, the Hall of Fame and Halls of Fame and and, uh, you know, candidates and, and people who are, are worthy, but uh, maybe have uh, been overlooked or slighted. Uh, what, what, what sort of led me to this was uh, word that that Kenny Lofton was being honored uh, in, in Arizona. Why don't you tell us about uh, uh, just the latest on what Lofton uh, is is up for uh, back home in Arizona? Yeah, Joe, uh, you know, I saw yesterday uh, the University of Arizona had a release. Uh, that uh, Kenny Lofton and two other uh, basketball players from the Wildcats uh, will be inducted into their ring of honor, uh, you know, during this season. I think Kenny's going in on uh, March 2nd before a game against Oregon. And I think it, it, it's weird, Joe. You, you know, when I think of Kenny Lofton, I think of him as a center fielder, a gold glove mm-hmm. center fielder. And uh, you don't you don't think of uh, him as a basketball player, but for four years, he played on, you know, at a high level at college basketball, uh, you know, at at the D1 level and uh, led, helped uh, the Wildcats get to the uh, Final Four in, in, um, in uh, 1988. You know, he, uh, he set the school record in steals, school, uh, school record that has since been broken for steals in a single season. So it just, you know, kind of lets you in, uh, lets you get another view of just w- what kind of athlete uh, Lofton really was. Yeah, and he played for Lute Olson, uh, a legendary coach there. He played with uh, Steve Kerr, I, I believe. Uh, at, you, know, so you, gotta, you can't just be like a, a walk-on guy. you got to have some serious basketball chops to, uh, to be able to go out there and, and, and do both. And, uh, and, and it's the reason why you know, maybe his, uh, his Major League Baseball career uh, got a little bit of a late start was because you know, he, you know, he didn't come up until he was in his – you know, uh, certainly like age 25 uh, when he debuted and all that, he was he was a little bit older than, you know, the, the kind of prospects we're seeing nowadays when they come up at, you know, 21, 22 years old. Uh, it, it, he, he's just a, a well-rounded athlete, and you could see that athleticism translate when he was on the field, uh, on the baseball field. Yeah, you know, he played baseball and basketball in high school at, uh, you know, East Chicago, in East Chicago, Indiana. Uh, then he, um, you know, got the scholarship to uh, to uh, Arizona and really didn't kind of resume his baseball career until his junior and senior year, Joe. And he wasn't really playing all that much. Uh, but, you know, that athletic ability, um, you know, you know, obviously attracted the Astros. And then John Hart swooped in and in, in, the, in the winter meetings of uh, 1991, we were uh, at Miami Beach. I remember the winter meetings and. uh and uh, he makes a deal for Kenny Lofton. I didn't know who Kenny Lofton was, but it turned out to be maybe one of uh, one, maybe one of uh, uh, Hart's best trades ever because they got uh, he acquired perhaps the best leadoff hitter in uh, franchise history, and a six, you know a four-time Gold Glove winner in center field and a six-time All-Star and a guy that Lofton played I think 17 years, Joe, and he, mm-hmm. and 11 of those years. He made the postseason with like like several different teams, including uh, Cleveland. 
Yeah, he was always one of those like rental type guys who was always making uh, making postseason rosters. And even, uh, you know, uh, I, I believe uh, he, he came back to, to Cleveland uh, late in his career as a as a veteran guy and, uh, you know, helped them down the stretch uh, as well uh, a couple of times. So uh, this is a guy who and, and like you said, perhaps the greatest leadoff hitter of all time, uh, all time in the franchise. Uh, you don't mention those those 90s teams uh, for the Cleveland Indians without starting first. It, it was Lofton by Erga Bell. Those were Lofton Vizquel by Erga Bell. That was the uh, the the order. And that's what everybody thought in, in their head. So uh, that um, that always comes to mind when you think of it. And he's been great with uh, alumni events and, and coming back. And, uh, he, you know, he knows that the folks in Cleveland uh, love him and think fondly of him. Uh, you know, event like uh, Guards Fest is Certainly, you know, one where you would see uh, Kenny uh, all the time. Uh, it, it sort of got me thinking, got me, it led me to, to to sort of consider the idea of, you know, his Hall of Fame candidacy for, for Cooperstown and, and uh, the situation there where he fell off the ballot after just one year. Uh, it, it's it's really sort of a, it, 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 when you think about it, it's, it's like a crime that that, that happened. Uh what uh, what do you remember about when when Lofton was on the ballot and why that sort of uh, came together and, and didn't happen for him to stay on longer? Yeah, he came on. He he was uh, he was in, you know, he was included on uh, the BBWA ballot the same year that Bonds, Clemens, uh, I think maybe Sosa, all, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of, you know, steroid kind of steroid, you know, big time players from the steroid era were, um, you know, were appeared on the ballot for the first time. And uh, if you talk to Kenny, he'll tell you he thought he got lost in the shuffle. I mean, he there was so much attention paid to these guys, you know, uh, Bonds and Clemens, uh, that that I think, you know, good players really got kind of pushed to the side. And, you know, the voters were kind of caught in between. Do you vote for those guys? Do you not vote for those guys? And, uh, you know, Kenny got, uh, you know, uh, really kind of, forgotten i think he only got three percent of the vote and uh you need five percent to stay on the ballot and, you know and he was gone he was a one and done and uh he certainly deserved a longer look than that joe if you look at a baseball reference he you know they rate him as a as a as a over 60 war for his career and you know that that's you're talking hall of fame type you know talent right there well, you know who has a uh, a 60 war uh, in, in terms of uh, baseball reference? And uh, if you do a side-by-side comparison, uh, a name who you would think is an automatic shoe-in for uh, the Hall of Fame first ballot, maybe even unanimous, uh, Ichiro Suzuki finished with an even 60 war uh, over his playing career. Kenny Lofton's war is 68.4, according to uh, baseball reference. And if you look at just a a side-by-side comparison of the two statistically, um, Ichiro finished with 3,089 hits. Uh, Lofton was at at 24-28. I I mean, not far off, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a couple of uh, decent seasons there, and he he might actually have, uh, you know, gotten closer to to the 3,000 mark. But then pretty much every other category uh, that's important here, uh, home runs, uh, Lofton 130, uh, Ichiro 117. Uh, RBIs, uh, Kenny got him by one RBI. He got 781 and Ichiro uh, 780. 
Uh, obviously, Steele's uh, Lofton had more 622 to 509 for Ichiro. Uh, the batting average, pretty close. Uh, Lofton uh, was, was behind just under 300 at 299. Ichiro, 311. Uh, but Lofton leads in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, OPS+. Plus. Uh, we're talking about a guy who's a no-brainer Hall of Fame uh, candidate when, when he's uh, eligible in Ichiro. And, and Lofton's numbers are as good, if not better, in a lot of cases uh, for, uh, than, than Ichiro. Why doesn't, uh, Ichi, uh, why doesn't Lofton get the same respect? It, it, it kind of blows your mind. Yeah, Joe. And, you know, Kenny's been fighting this for a while and his last, you know, the, the only thing he can hope for is, uh, you know, the one of the veterans committee, uh, you know, I think the what the era committee, one of the era committees, I think it comes up maybe next year, you know, that he'll make the ballot and could, could get voted on that way. But he certainly, you know, he certainly got, uh, you know, he did not, he, he did not get the the look he deserved. And if you, all you got to do is look at the numbers, you know, I think, you know, probably maybe one thing that probably hurts Kenny a little bit is that outside of Cleveland, you know, he, he was a hired gun, you know, he, mm-hmm. he bounced around from team to team and really didn't get to uh, establish himself in one city. He didn't have like that long tenure, like, uh, Suzu- you know, Ichiro did, you know, he, I mean, right. Ichiro played for Seattle. So, I mean, uh, it was, um, you know, so I think that that may work against him a little bit. But in Cleveland, you know, he played 10 years in Cleveland, three mm-hmm. different ten, three different tours. But, uh, you know, 10 years is a long time, I think. Uh, and the people in Cleveland loved him and he loved them back. Well, so do you think Cleveland works against him in that uh, in that regard? Do you think nationally that maybe the, he doesn't get the respect he deserves because of Cleveland? Because every one of his other teams that he played for, uh, we're all one-year stints, no more than one year with any other club. We're talking Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Philly, Atlanta, Texas, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Yankees. Uh, he was he was with Houston uh, his first year as a rookie, and he also played you know back home again. He played for both Chicago teams, uh, the Cubs and White Sox. You know, normally if a a, a player, a, a veteran player, a longtime player has played in a couple of different cities, that broader appeal maybe catches more voters that way. I mean, you're talking about 10 other teams here that that, that should have a, a, an interest in him. And, hey, uh, you know, writers who remember, hey, I remember the, the season that, that Lofton spent with us. Uh, it, you know, it, did did he not make a lot of friends in every other city? Because I know he, he kind of had a, a little bit of a, a, a rough uh, sort of relationship with the media uh, when he was in the, at least in the early days when he was with Cleveland. Yeah, that may have worked against him. You know, Kenny and, Kenny and I had our... Uh... <laughs> kind of butted heads once or once or twice, but you know, once we got past that, you know, we were we were good. You know, he was he was a good guy, and uh, he just, uh, I mean, he didn't let a lot of people in. I think he was, uh, you know, cautious, a little cautious, but you know, you know, personality wise, you know, I don't think that should really play into it. It may play mm-hmm. into it. It may have played into. You know the vote, how the voting went on the BBWA ballot, but certainly in the if if he gets on one of the era ballots, you know uh, the veteran, you know slash veterans committee. I think uh, you know that 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 includes other players, you know executives. You know it's not strictly writers, so uh, you know that should help him. I, I would think, and you know all you got to do is look at the career, you know Joe, and I think he deserves 
he deserves, you know, a, a lot of further consideration at least. Yeah, what he needs is a champion. He needs, you know, one of those members of that era committee to to sort of be a guy who who steps forward and says, hey, what happened to Kenny when he was first on the ballot uh, by the BBWAA, uh, you know, it, it wasn't right. It was a, a timing thing. You know, uh, there are extenuating circumstances as to why he didn't get a longer look. Uh, he should have, you know, uh, you think about a guy like uh, a Gary Sheffield, who's in his 10th year on the ballot right now and is getting that sort of that extra boost to uh, in his uh, vote totals, uh, the, the consideration, uh, because they know he's going to fall off the ballot after this year, no matter what. Uh, you got to think if guys were able to, to, to review Lofton year after year, there's got to be a year that he would have been able to to, to make it in there. Um this this raises the question to me, though, uh, certainly Kenny Lofton, uh, the numbers that I, I read off, uh, all of them are, are, you know, Hall of Fame worthy for sure. Uh, he's a, a worthy candidate. Is he the most worthy ex-Cleveland player who's not in the Hall of Fame right now? Is he the is he the guy out there who deserves to get into Cooperstown the most right now? Oh, boy. Uh you know, and, and, I would think, that's a tough question. Yeah, I, I would think, you know, in your in recent memory, in the fans memory. Yes. But if you go back, you know, they've been playing baseball uh, in Cleveland since 1901, maybe further back than that. But, you know, the, the uh, Indians slash, you know, Guardians slash Blues, uh, you know, what, whatever, you know, whatever name they've operated on in the American League, of, they've been here since 1901. So there's a lot of good players that have probably, you know, got passed over. And, uh, you know, I think we were talking about it before uh, the podcast, Joe. You know, a, a name that always pops up in this regard is Mel Harder. Yeah, and, and that's the one I was sort of leading to and, and leaning to. And, you know, you talk to the old timers, you talk to the veterans, and and, and these are the uh, Mel Harder is the guy who, uh, you know, is sort of synonymous with uh, the – the the veterans committee oh they they should put this guy in when when the veterans committee gets to to review him uh, this is the guy that they they should heavily consider uh, you look at some of the the similarity uh, comparisons uh, between uh, Mel Harder and uh, some other pitchers uh, who are either in the Hall of Fame or uh, were were close to that uh, guys like uh, you know Wade Hoyt uh, Jim Perry Doyle Alexander Joe Necro, uh, Jesse Haynes is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, a, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, not a lot of Cleveland fans know, and uh, not a lot of Cleveland fans, you know, really are right now are, you know, sort of up on, you know, what the significance that Mel Harder played uh, for this franchise in, in the in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, longest tenured uh, uh, player, uh, 20 years with Cleveland. Uh, went two uh, two hundred. His his one loss record was two twenty three and eight and one hundred eighty six. He played from nineteen twenty eight Joe till nineteen forty seven. Had a three point eight zero ERA, five hundred eighty two games, four hundred thirty three starts. Um, 
you know, uh, just uh, yeah. And then Joe, after he retired as a as as a, as a pitcher, he became one of the best pitching coaches in Cleveland mm-hmm. history. He had the great rotation of Feller, Lemon, Garcia, you know, Score, all those guys. Uh, you know, he was a coach of those guys. So uh, a long history uh, in Cleveland, deep roots in Cleveland. Uh, I can remember when they were opening uh, before they were building uh, Progressive Field slash uh, Jacobs Field. You know, he, he threw out the first pitch, you know, before the ballpark went up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he threw out the first pitch, uh, I think, I believe, to uh, Sandy Alomar. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, where home plate was going to be. So, you know, and, you know, Mel came out and threw, threw his drop pitch. I think he called it a drop pitch. You know, he had great he, – he, you, you could talk to him about uh, facing uh, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. I think he, he was really – he had really good numbers against Babe Ruth, but mm-hmm. Garrett wore him out. I think that's it, but I, I might have had that. I might have that backwards. Well, and, and guys like Joe DiMaggio and, and Hank Greenberg listed Mel Harder as the, the one of their toughest, you know, uh, pitchers they've ever faced in their careers. So, you know, when, you, when the when his peers are talking about him like that, you've got to go back and look at, you know, how he was regarded at that time, not just, you know, looking back through history. But, you know, at that time, uh, those guys said he was a, a, a tough guy to get in the box against, uh, you know, because of uh, the different things he could do to manipulate the ball and and. Uh, you know, work things. I, I thought that that scene that you, you described with uh, Alomar catching Mel Harder's first pitch at at the the construction site, I thought it was great because he was he was what he was uh, in his in his nineties almost. Or no, no, he was he was in his he was in his eighties, but he was in full uniform. I, thought I know, that was the yeah, yeah, the, old... the whole thing. He was he had all the gear on and everything. Yeah, and uh, he lived in Chardon. You know, he was he was a good guy. He was a gentleman. He was he was, he was always he knew what was going on. He was sharp. Uh, and he he was a nice man, and uh, you know he's been on several veterans committees. His name has come up, but he hasn't got got enough support to get in. And I haven't I haven't seen his name on any of the veterans committees, you know, in the last ten to fifteen years. But for a while, Joe, he he you know he was a you know a popular name on those those committees. He just did not he never got enough uh, support to get in. Yeah, the uh, the ERA 3.80 for his career. Uh 223 wins though is still that's a testament to the longevity like you said. He's the longest tenured uh player in franchise history. So, uh again, uh, this is the guy everybody uh everybody who's going to be at Guards Fest uh tomorrow, if you ask them that question, uh you know, who is the 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 greatest Cleveland baseball player who's not in the Hall of Fame who deserves to be in there, uh they'd probably say Kenny Lofton right off the jump, but you know, maybe you talk to some of the older ones and they'll 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 tell you, you know, from what I ha- heard, from what I know, Mel Harder was uh was, was the guy who uh you know earned earned a spot there in hall in the Hall of Fame and you know maybe we'll uh we'll, maybe we'll see him there one day. Uh, I guess uh, a guy who we think is eventually or in the very near future uh, a lock for the Hall of Fame, but we don't know if he's going to be. Uh, in there as uh, under the Cleveland banner, I guess, would be Terry Francona. I, I mean, this is a, a guy who you can't imagine that after retiring last year, uh, you know, Tito should have been able to just walk across the street right into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but uh, that's not the case. The, like you said, the, the Veterans Committee, the Eras Committee, as they're called now, uh, it's a three-year rotating cycle, and he just missed uh, his window. Uh, on that, uh, uh, they uh, they elected uh, guys this year on the, the committee that he would be under. Uh, so he's got to wait two more years. 
Uh, but we're thinking as a first-time candidate in 2026, he's going to be a shoe-in for the 20, uh, 2027 class. Oh, no doubt about it, Joe. I think this is a guy that you know managed 11 years in Cleveland, went to the postseason nine times, won an AL pennant in 2016. He's managed three teams to the World Series, winning in uh, Boston in 2004 and 2007, getting to, uh, you know, taking the Indians slash Guardians to the 2016 World Series where they lost, of course, you know, <laughs> it's hard it's hard to even think about it, it <laughs> where they lost in seven games to the Cubs. But, you know, he is, you know, I think what he ranks maybe 16th, 15th all time among the AL, among managers and wins. I might have that wrong, but, you know, just he's accumulated a lot of numbers and he's had, a you know, really a successful career. When he is elected, uh, he'll join, what, uh, 15, 16 um, uh, Hall of Fame members that are, uh, you know, as uh, under Cleveland, uh, if he if he does. If, if not, uh, he could go under Boston or he could choose to not wear a cap and, and have that on his plaque, um, you know, to, to sort of show respect to both cities. Uh, but, you know, Cleveland's got, what, 15, 16 guys in the Hall of Fame? And we're talking Bob Feller, Earl Averill, Larry Doby, Lou Boudreau, Bob Lemon, uh, Frank Robinson, Al Lopez, Joe Sewell, Early Wynn, Satchel Page, Elmer Flick, Nap LaJoy, uh, Addie Josh, Tris Speaker, Stan Kovaleski, uh, and, and Jim Tomey. You know, we're, these are, uh, these are legends of, of Cleveland baseball and, and Tito certainly deserves, uh, his spot up there. And there's really no doubt that he's going to get in, right? Yeah, I would think, you know, one one way or the other, he gets in, Joe. I mean, it might take, you know, maybe it takes, you know, a, a couple ballots to get in. But I think, you know, he's got a place reserved for me. You know, he he managed, uh, post, you know, postseason teams. Uh, he's managed all-star teams. He, you know, he, and he plus, he, you know, he has a career as a player. Uh, I don't know how much that plays into it, but, you know, this is a guy, you know, he, he grew up in baseball and, and Joe, I'm still not, I still wouldn't be surprised to see him pull a, 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 a Bochi and, and, you know, two or three years down the road, come back and manage some, some mm-hmm. team. No, you're, you're exactly right. That, that could happen. Uh, and, and it'd be interesting to see, uh, and with all of his health concerns over the last several years too, you know, a, a veterans uh, or an heiress committee might be more motivated because, uh, you know, they want to give him that moment. They want to have him, you know, around to still enjoy that kind of thing. You know, he's 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 only, what, 64, 65 years old. But yeah, uh, with the health concerns, you know, you want to make sure that you're not robbed of that opportunity to see Tito at the podium and and hear his stories once again, because he is such a great storyteller. So. Uh, more motivation for him to to sort of be elected in the, in the next several years. Uh, there are some some longtime uh, Cleveland guys on the ballot right now uh, who could be elected by the uh, the BBWAA. Uh, I, I think uh, the possibility of most of them uh, has has um, you know based on the ballot tracking that we talked about yesterday has has sort of fallen off. Uh, but these are guys who are candidates right now who are deserving. Uh, we're talking about Bartolo Colon, Victor Martinez, Manny Ramirez, uh, Omar Vizquel. These are all guys who are on the ballot right now who who fans who are listening to this podcast would probably be a lot more familiar with. Uh, and which of those guys 
if you had to pick one right now, would be the guy most deserving of a spot in Cooperstown in your mind? Of the three guys on the ballot now? Of uh, Cologne, Martinez, uh, Vizquel, or Ramirez? I, I would think in a perfect world, I would <laughs> I would say Ramirez is the guy, but it's not a perfect world. Uh, Manny tested positive at least twice for PEDs, and in my mind, that unfortunately, that takes him off the ballot. You know, he is in his uh, eighth year of eligibility. He has two years left, and um, you know, he is uh, he's trending right about 33 percent based last 33.2 percent of the vote last year. Needs 75 to get in. You know, I don't see it. I don't see him getting in. I, you know, I'd, and it. It hurts me to say that because I like Manny. I love him. But uh, he, you know, he got some bad advice. He, ne- he, ne- he never needed that stuff. He was he was the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, when he was clean. So uh, hopefully, who knows, the, the voting, the uh, the nature of the voting, the voters may change. Maybe he gets a, a, a reprieve from the Veterans Committees, the year of committees. And, and gets in because he certainly deserves to be there just as a pure talent. Yeah. I, and you talk about the guys like the Bonds and the Clemens and those guys, their shot now is through those era committees and, and convincing guys uh, to, to vote enough for them uh, and, and overlook the, the uh, steroid era situation. And uh, you know, I, I think like you said, Manny didn't might not have necessarily needed uh any, any help, but uh, just being the, the the kind of dominant hitter that he was, I, I think a lot of people agree with you. The best right-handed hitter they had ever seen. Uh, that should have been enough to get him in, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, without any sort of other, you know, issues on the side. Um, I, I think you talk about a perfect world. I think in a perfect world, you know, Omar Vizquel should have been in already, uh, just based on you know what we saw with our own two eyes of him on the field. If if you talk about the Hall of Fame and there is a character component to, uh, you know, being elected. Uh, but if you talk about between the lines, Omar, you know, did enough on the field where he he, sh- he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Um, it's the it's the off the field stuff that's, uh, you know, a prison of his own making that that sort of, um, you know, is keeping him out right now. Uh, but from what I witnessed and what I saw every day of that guy playing shortstop, uh, there was, there was nobody better uh, at the position uh, defensively, as far as I'm concerned. And he's, he's certainly deserving of uh, a spot in the hall of fame. Yeah, I agree, Joe. He played 24 years, won 11 gold gloves, I believe nine in Cleveland, Uh, you know, has played the most games ever at shortstop. Still, still, you know, has a, the the you know most games at shortstop by a long shot. Um, and if it wasn't for you know the the uh, the um, you know the, the spousal abuse charges and the sexual harassment charges uh, that came up when he was on the ballot, when he was skyrocketing on the ballot, he'd be in the ba- he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. He, right. he he was trending toward that, and now you know he's he's you know he's we haven't seen a player drop this drastically, you know, in, in voting percentage. I've never seen one drop this drastically. You know, usually the longer you stay on the ballot, you're going up, he's going down. And it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we are being robbed of another, uh, 
you know, uh, prime speech on a, on on election on, on induction day when, if Omar were ever to get to the podium because uh, you know he's entertaining, he's engaging, he's he's all those things uh, when um, when he's given the opportunity. Uh, right now, in terms of players who are you know not el- not yet eligible for uh, the ballot, we're talking about either recently retired or still playing. Uh, you know, guys, uh, who who might be the next guys, next round of players uh, that we're talking about, maybe in a few years, uh, being worthy of the Hall of Fame and, and, and any sort of candidacy there. You know, Joe, I I know you know the the, the you know to me, I think Corey Kluber has to draw some uh, you know has to draw some recognition in that. I mean, I know um, you know he kind of got a late start start in his career. I uh, was kind of buried in uh, San Diego's farm system before coming to Cleveland. Uh, but you look at those four or five years he had, that four or five-year period where he won two Cy Youngs and was, I think, you know, finished, you know, third or fourth a couple times and, and pitched, you know, over 200 innings, over 200 strikeouts. You know, the the – the pitching landscape has changed so much in the last 10 or 15 years that, you know, we're not going to see guys, you know, you know, pitch 200, win 250 games or, you know, go out and, and throw, you know, 250 to 300 innings anymore. And I think Kluber, you know, his, his, uh, you know, his kind of, his, uh, you know, his, his footprint deserves, you know, a, a longer look, a, a pretty good look, no matter when he retires. I, I would think he's probably pretty close to the end right now, Joe, based on, you know, how he pitched last season with Boston. So his career is going to it's going to be really interesting to see how much attention he gets. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a guy who uh, at his peak, if you look at those peak years, he's as as worthy as any Hall of Fame candidate. Um uh, on, that would be on the ballot uh, at, at the same time. Uh, I, I wonder if the the left side of his infield uh, during those peak years are are both going to be eventually candidates for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I got to think Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez uh, could both be guys who, who garner some consideration when they decide to hang it up. Yeah, you know, we've seen Jose up close, you know, eight, nine, 10 year, you know, what I think he's going into his ninth or 10th year now, uh, just consistent, consistent, you know, play on defense, offense, you know, never stops hustling. Um, you know, it's the core of this offense that, that makes his team go. And he's just a joy to watch, you know, gold glove caliber defense. Uh, you know, I think he's got a, he's got a really good chance to make the hall of fame, Joe, but you know, the, this is this is such a tough game, and it's built on consistency and durability, and and your ability to uh, play deep into your career and still be productive. And uh, you know, so far Jose has has shown he's more than able to do that. Yeah, he what, hasn't. What do you had, think? Of, he hasn't had that drop off after hitting age thirty for sure. What What do you think about Lindor? You know, I thought Lindor, you know, when he was here in Cleveland was a much better player than he, than he's shown in, in with the Mets. I, that's just, you know, from the outside looking in, I know he's had, he had a good year last season. I, I think Lindor certainly has the talent and the body, you know, he's got the athleticism to, uh, to, to perform. I, I just wonder, you know, he's got to stay hungry, you know, Joe, he yeah. got that huge contract and he's got to keep pushing to get to the hall of fame. And I think he will 
But, you know, that's going to be another really interesting, uh, interesting player to watch as his career unfolds. If Lindor stays healthy, if he stays, if he puts up more seasons like he did last year, playing in New York, playing on that big stage, and he's going to have opportunities because of the money behind him in that franchise, he's going to have opportunities to get teams to the playoffs, to the postseason, deep in the postseason, perform on the postseason stage, maybe even win a championship. If he can win a championship and and put up a couple more years uh, like the one he had last year, uh, I think uh, Lindor is a guy who's in. He's he's in the Hall of Fame uh, simply because of the the New York market and all that. Uh, and and it'd be interesting to see if he would want to go in as a as a Met or as a uh, you know under Cleveland's banner uh, in, in that regard as well. Uh, I want to remind our, our listeners: uh, subtext is the best way to give us your thoughts on who should be in the Hall of Fame. And and who uh, who do you think uh, candidate that we might have overlooked uh, could be uh, maybe a Grady Sizemore? You can make a case for him. Uh, who knows? Uh, it, log on to cleveland.com slash subtext or um, uh, send a text message to 216-208-4346 uh, to get subscribed for $3.99 a month to send text messages to Hoynes or to me. And uh, we'll respond to as many of them as we can. Uh, Hoinsey, uh, this was a great uh, conversation about some some fantastic, uh, legendary ball players. Uh, we look forward to uh, continuing that and, and moving forward. Uh, we've got Guards Fest coming up this weekend, and we'll wrap that all up uh, on Monday when we check in again with you. All right, Joe. 